this out with honour to Pastor Robert Morris, who has lived in a revelation of the blessed life for many years. And uh, some of you have enjoyed his teaching on on, uh, video and DVD. Um, And uh, we're at part three. Uh, And uh, I'd like to read from Exodus chapter three, verses one to two, just to launch us in this morning. When I say we honour him, we want also for it to be fresh to us. And uh, I trust that that will be the case in the moments that we've got together. I'm conscious that we've got growth track. And so uh, I'm conscious that people are committed to staying to that. So I'm not intending being overly long this morning either. But I trust that you'll just capture the heart of the next numbers of minutes. And that God will bless us and continually position us to be blessed. So Exodus 3. So this is the Lord speaking to Moses. And he says, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children, both man and beast, it is mine, or it belongs to the Lord. The blessed life, as I say, out of the revelatory teaching of Pastor Robert, positioning the church to be blessed. I don't want to go over the past weeks as Christian has opened up this series, but you may remember week one he spoke about the heart. Out of the heart come the issues of life. Every decision, value, and choice that we make and how we live doesn't come from here, it comes from there. Not the blood-pumping organ that keeps us alive, but the very essence of your being. When we come to Jesus, we give him our heart. We give him all that we are. And out of the heart come the issues of life. Then Christian talked about the test. The test. And the reality is that the test doesn't go away. The test is always before us in terms of our giving to God. And sometimes, you know, I've spoken to people that say, God has so blessed me. And the reason that they've been so blessed is because they've been passing the test. Here's the truth. The more they got blessed, the greater the test has become. Because they've understood that they're actually giving more away to God. And the temptation to withhold, to take back, to forget that it's all the Lord's is huge. Passing the test. And this morning, for a little time... I want us to think not only about the heart and not only about the test, but also about the first. The first. We sang some songs this morning as Julie and the band of leathers that reflect the first. I surrender. Now, God first is so important in our lives. You've heard me tell you the story before about when we first got married, which is... um, 37 years ago on July the 28th, and, uh, and uh, Sherman looks amazing on it, doesn't she, you know, but, but, uh, but uh, it's all that good food I've cooked up, you know. <laughs> but the reality is that when we first got married, I, I, may, I've told you about the little plaque, we don't know where it came from. But somebody gave it to us around about our wedding day. And it, got, it, it was sort of about that Why with two words embossed in it. And we used to have it above our gas fire. We needed it above our gas fire because why we weren't both dead through carbon monoxide poisoning, I don't know. But, but um, it simply said, God first. God first. And I was talking to a group of leaders recently and they asked me to give ten values of my life. And the first one was, not because we've always got it right, but it's an absolute value, is... God first. So we're talking about the first today. And the first is so important. Theologians talk to us about the principle of first mention in the scriptures. When something is first mentioned, it's well worthy of taking 
note of. Because very often then, it sets up a domino effect that goes right through the scriptures that never compromises the first mention. And of course, the Bible speaks about the first. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. And interestingly, in the context of provision, all these other things will be added to you. People try and claim the promise without implementing the priority. But when we seek first his kingdom, that means the rule of God in our lives. It's not a blob, a sky sheep coming down from the sky to take us back to wherever we're going. It's the rule of Jesus over our lives. How many of you find sometimes the rule of Jesus uncomfortable rather than comfortable? Oh, he's got some things to say. Just a few weeks ago, I was in a national leadership team meeting, and the following day I was thinking about it, and God said, I want you to send an email to another member of the team. It was a bit of a spat, and you know, I thought we'd dealt with it, but God hadn't dealt with it. So the rule of God, I said, do I have to? This is me. Yeah, you know. Anyway, and then God said, you know that other guy that was mentioned? I want you to send an email to him as well. Now, this guy's given me a few challenges over the years, and then I really sort of said to God, do I have to? Yeah. See, the rule of God in your life, it whispers away at times in little ways. But your kingdom come. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things. Then what about Matthew 5, 24? First be reconciled to your brother and sister. Then bring your gift. The power of unity. The power of forgiveness. The power of reconciliation. If I can let you into a little secret, a couple of the brothers at Besham Manchester had a bit of an issue with this last week. And, uh, and we've got there. But the power of being reconciled when something went wrong. I won't tell you over what it was over, but it was so trivial. But that's what happens. The enemy doesn't take the important. He takes the trivial, the things that don't matter. And he builds it, and he builds it, and he builds it, and he builds it until I break relationship with somebody. And God says, if that happens... You've got to first be reconciled. If I wasn't reconciled to Paul this morning, he's no good me offering anything. First be reconciled to my brother. Then bring my gift of praise and worship and whatever. The principle of the first. And then what about Jesus saying, and this is the first commandment. That you love your God with all of your heart, mind, soul and strength. He was talking there not about first in terms of time, Because he'd spoken about loving God in the Old Testament. But first in terms of quality. He raised the standard. He lifted the bar. He says there's a new calling. The first commands. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. When we put God first, it allows everything to come in order in our lives. Don't live at odds with God. Don't always be fighting God. Don't always be in conflict with God. Don't always be saying no to God. But when we say, God, you're first, you're first, everything finds order, which brings us increasingly to be able to live a blessed life. Now, let me just say about the blessed life. The blessed life is not talking about a life of ease. With you lying in a hammock on a gorgeous Saturday afternoon, watching the world go by, I am so blessed. That's not it. It's not about comfort. It's not about never having a challenge. I talk to people that say, I don't want challenges in my life. Really? Life would be so boring without any challenges, without any goals, without any things to overcome. 
blessing, friends. It's not about ease. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 5 verse, and verse 10, that people were blessed when they were persecuted. He says in James chapter 1 and verse 12, that people were blessed when they persevered under trial. Listen to this in Revelation 14, 13. He says that people were blessed even when they prevailed in death. And I want to say all those things are taking place in the earth today through brothers and sisters that express the church of Jesus Christ and they are blessed. It's positioning ourselves, friends, to receive all that God's got. Now, let me give you a definition of blessed. This is hilarious. But as you know, I've been going up to Besham, Manchester, a couple of times a week, uh, a couple of Tuesdays a week, as well as what we're doing on Sundays to bring some teaching. And there's a wonderful African lady in the church. And uh, as, we've, as we've done in our own context, uh, often I'm encouraging people to, to read the Bible. It just draws people in. And, uh, and uh, just something great. Anyway, every time she read the Bible, it went on and on and on. So I says, well, what version are you reading from? She said, I'm reading from the Amplified version. <laughs> now, the Amplified Bible does exactly that. You know, we managed to finish before 11 o'clock, you know. But, but the Amplified, so we're bursting out laughing, you know, because everybody else is just a couple of lines. And you, so... Anyway, let me give you a definition of blessed from the Amplified Version. And if any of you have got one, when you get to Matthew chapter 5, blessed are blessed are, he says it every time. It's incredible. You'd think the book was this wide, but somehow they've managed to contain it. But the definition of blessed is blessed and happy and enviable, enviably fortunate and spiritually prosperous are those that follow God. That is, in the state of which one enjoys and finds satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of outward conditions. That's being blessed. And what we're understanding in this ministry is that there's a direct correlation of blessing upon us as we respond from our hearts and pass the test and make him first in how we give back to God. This is where, forgive the well-worn cliche, and even the pun on that, the rubber hits the road. Because people want to be so blessed at times, and never come to the place of where Paul led us so well this morning, of bringing an offering of their substance back to God. So briefly, three things regarding the first this morning. Firstly, Exodus 13, 12 to 13. The first must be sanctified or sacrificed or set apart or redeemed. Here's uh, God speaking to Moses again. You shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The male shall be the Lord. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if not, you shall redeem it. One translation says that if not, and you cannot redeem it, then you are to break its neck. It's speaking about, there we go. And all the firstborn among men of your sons you shall redeem. It's speaking about the purity of the offering. And God gives two examples. He gives the example of the lamb. 
And the lamb in the Bible speaks of purity, cleanliness. Jesus, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then it talks about the donkey. Or another description, an ass, a hybrid. Not clean, an expression of uncleanness. He says, if the, if the gift, if, the lamb, if it is a lamb, then offer it to God. But the donkey is only redeemed by the offering of something that is clean. Now, the new, I get people saying to me sometimes, well, we don't read the Old Testament anymore, do we? Well, there's a lot of it not to. Um, but the reality is that the principles of the Old Testament always point to Jesus. There's a little book that was a classic, Christ in all the scriptures. And it's about that. And it, it literally, So what's happening here is God's giving us an example of what was to take place in Christ to remind us of the importance of the first. I think some of you know where we're going already. Because we were spiritually unclean. If I can use it this morning, please hear me. I'm not saying this in any offensive way personally. We were the ass, spiritually. We were the donkey. We've got it all wrong. We were all mixed up. We had nothing to present to God. And so we needed a lamb to bring us back to him. And there was only one. And his name was Jesus. And Jesus came to the earth, as we've already heard in prayer, and gave himself Now, one of the descriptions, interestingly, of Jesus in the Bible is that he's the firstborn. And some of you have had those people knock on your door. Actually, they're not knocking on doors anymore. They're at railway stations. They're in shopping precincts. They've realized that nobody's in, so they've changed the tactics. Same tactic, be on your guard. Um, But they'll say, ah, there you go. Jesus is described as the firstborn. Therefore, to fit in with their teaching, I'm not mentioning them. I'm being quite respectful, but some of you know I'm talking about Ah, that that shows us that Jesus isn't God, he's a created being. But when the term firstborn speaks of Jesus, it's not speaking of him in terms of a created being, but it's speaking to him as being exalted and favoured and preeminent and far above all, which is no contradiction to the revelation of Christ in the earth. And in Romans 5.8, he says that while we were still sinners unclean Jesus died for us and brought us back to himself and here's the truth friends that when we give our offering to God we redeem it we make it clean before the Lord we give our first to him and Christian was talking last week about the test the tithe and people say I give 10% to God I want to say that's not good enough it's got to be the first 10% got to be the first you see if you say oh you know got my breaks done this month and got that birthday that's got to be sorted out and there'll be nothing left but we genuinely make the lord first when we offer him the first and when we offer him the first we're in a line with god's heart towards who offered the first over us that we might be redeemed back to him. Number two, the first must be offered. And uh, just one verse before we come to Exodus. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, substance, income, with first of crops. Then your barns 
will be filled and your vats overflow. You know, that word wealth used to worry me for a long time when I used to hear people talking about it. Because when I thought about wealth, I thought about wealthy. Oh, yeah, that's the rich people, whoever they are. Um, And it used to worry me. And then I understand God saying, I'm not talking about wealthy. I'm just talking about what you've got. What you've got. When you realize, friends, that 80% of the people in this world live on less than 10 American dollars a day, that over 800 million people have no access to clean living water, that the reality is that there's huge challenges in the earth, as Anne's highlighted this morning. The reality is, whatever our challenges, we live in a wealthy nation. We really do. And so God says, it's not about the wealthy, or it's for them. When it's seeking there, it's simply talking about our substance, about what we've been blessed with. It may be very little in comparison to somebody else. I understand that. But if you will begin to position yourself to respond to the first being offered to him, then get set for God to do something good in your life. Exodus 23 Verse 19, Exodus 23. The first of the first fruits of your land shall be brought to the house of your Lord. So question, where do we bring the first two? Christian answered it last week. But let me just re-emphasize, friends, that the first of the first comes to the house of God. Or as Malachi describes it, the storehouse. It comes to the work of God. It comes to where we belong. It comes to where there's food in the house. You know something? Some churches have so withheld the first from the church that God's removed the food. And all of a sudden they're looking around saying, well, where's our pastor gone? Uh, The ministries, we're in decline. Yeah, because the reality was that you thought you could decide where the first came. The first, friends, doesn't go to AN other ministries The first doesn't go respectfully to God channel. The first doesn't go to Oral Roberts or wherever it is. The first, Isla gets all these papers through and says, what shall I do with them? You know, she's she's been on a mailing list somewhere, you know. He doesn't go to any of that. If you want to give to those things, that's fine. The first comes to where there's food in the house, the local house. That's where it comes. And so God says that when we bring the first to the house, God will bless all that we bring. It's a principle, friends, but if we will believe to bring the tithe to the house, God will bless the rest far greater than you keeping all of it to yourself. I want to tell you, it just works. It just works. And you may be saying, well, it's easy for you. I want to tell you, it's been anything but easy for me on occasions. But the reality is, here's how it happened for me. I just started work. This is how old I am. My foot used to get paid weekly. Can you remember the little white strip you see? You know? yeah. 675 a week. 1971. Okay. I'm being born, my youngest brother. I'm going to work, my youngest brother's being born. That's how many of us were in our house, you know. And um, I was a Christian and I wanted to get closer to God. I lived about 15 minutes' walk from the church I used to go to, which is in a suburb in Nottingham. I don't know whether I heard a message. I can't remember any teaching. But here's the truth. By the time I'd left our house and got to church, I was a tither. That was it. I was a tither. It was a test. I just started work. I'm only on 675. 
for the week. Anybody beat that? But I was a tither. And uh, that's how it works, you see. And so we've got brilliant teaching, brilliant teaching around. The reality is, it's the heart. It's the heart. So here's the principle, because we're talking about the first. Right back to Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. Not a book by Jeffrey Archer, but two people in the Bible. I read that book once. It took me about 27 years. It was, you know, Cain and Abel both brought an offering to God. One was acceptable, one wasn't. The question was, why was one offering acceptable and the other not? Because one brought the offering as an afterthought and one brought it as a first. And in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, it says, By faith, Abel bought a better offering than Cain did. Why? Because it was the first of the flock. The first of the flock. You see, and we can, we can pat ourselves on the back sometimes and say, aren't we doing well? But here's the question. Are we bringing the first? Here's the truth. God couldn't accept anything less. <clears throat> because us making God first doesn't change the fact that God is first. Again, the theological word for this is preeminence. He's above all and over all and in all. That's our Lord. That's our God. That's why we worship him. That's why it should be so easy to worship God. That's why often our attention's lifted headwards. That's why it gets us off the muck and grime of this week and the challenges because he's above all. And our offering, our giving needs to reflect that we recognize the revelation that he's above all. The first above all. And finally, friends, the first reflects in what we give. <clears throat> the Bible says that that tithe is holy. It's set apart to the Lord. The first to leave our hands I don't know how you do this practically. We've got people in the church that like to pay by standing order. It's their reflection of their heart that the first thing that's being given to God every month is their offering. I don't like to do that. I know Ann Simpson would like me to do it because it's more expensive to pay it by check. But, but the thing is, I like to bring, and I'll explain this to Ann, you know, I like to bring my offering to the, to the church. So how do I do it? Well, I still use checks. For young people, it's that piece of paper that... Yeah. I tell you, they frighten me to death. I talked to our Alison and said, do you take a receipt out at the hole in the wall? Nah, I don't bother with that. She said, I bet you check every receipt off, don't you? I says, well, why wouldn't you? You know, yeah. They're just so cavalier, it seems to me. Anyway, I'm sure it's working for you, but where was it? Oh, a check. Yeah, so a check is a piece of paper where you write the amount out and then it's honoured by you. Make sure you've got enough in your bank account to honour it with the other bank account. And that's how it works. And it's a bit long-winded. It's a bit more expensive. But it just works for me. So that's how it works for me. May the 1st. We're in a church. It's the 1st. It's the 1st. And uh, I hope it works for you the same. Whew. Tires this month. Sharon's birthday. That were expensive. 
you know. It's the first. And we've proved time and time again that what's left over works. Rather than me trying to work it all out and get into a mess. That simply is the blessed life. It's not magic. It's not spooky. It's just positioning ourselves to be blessed. So let me close. I was going to, like Christian, bring Pastor Robert back on, you know. But on this particular clip, he's talking about dollars and dimes and cents and maths. I thought, you know, it probably might not work. It's my excuse not to have him on. All right. (laughs) The heart, the test, the first. How do we respond? Well, let's respond even when times are tough. Even when circumstances are difficult. Because you've already heard in the ministry, this is always an expression of faith. It's not a bargaining chip. It's not saying, you know what, God, my kids have been an absolute pain this month. So you're not getting anything. He's going to get it anyway. And believe God for your kids. My manager at work has given me such a rough time that he's told me that I might have to reduce my hours. So the tide's off them. Now I'm going to give to God anyway. I'm going to believe that God's going to reverse this situation. And so we could go on. Secondly, I really felt this in my spirit. It's not in Morris's notes. But I believe that, you know, I've had a bit of a laugh with the young people, but what an entrepreneurial spirit in this young generation. It's breathtaking at times. And I actually believe in Arena Church that God wants to position some people. I'll use the phrase, you might think it's exaggerating, and hamming up, that's for you to judge. But people that can make millions, because God knows you're going to give millions. Blessed. And then finally, if we can go to Exodus 13, 14 to 15, I close with this. So it shall be, when your son asks you in time to come, what is this that you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord uh, all the open of the womb, All the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Here's the thing I want to close on. Ladies and gentlemen, Christians this morning, we have the opportunity through putting God first of passing on a generational example and blessing. So here's what happens. You're a mum, you're a dad, you're a grandma, you're a granddad. And somehow you get into a talk about giving. Or maybe they see you like me getting that thing ready or... You know, whatever. But you get talking. start to get a bit older. They start to get a bit more inquisitive. Why? 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 Have you ever been through that stage? Why? So all of a sudden, one day, your children, your grandchildren say, why are you doing that? Why are you giving that to the church? They may even say, why are you wasting that on the church? And you have an opportunity to remind them of the why. And the why is... Because once we were in bondage. Once we are in Egypt. You know that Egypt speaks of bondage, of worldliness, of being outside of God. Once we are in Egypt, we used to have a 
man in our church in Jacksdale that occasionally preached and he wouldn't get through the message. In fact, it almost became a joke because he got converted in the army in Egypt of reminding us that he'd come out of Egypt. <clears throat> and here's the opportunity for you to pass on a generational blessing to those that look on and say, why? Because it wasn't always like this. You remember Morris speaking in the first week about dealing, dealing drugs before he became a Christian. And how that a guy, one of his contemporaries had just died. And he'd face all crumpled up because he's never got used to being saved. Never got... I spoke to John Kirby, the, the founder of Christians Against Poverty at, at Bradford. And I was just saying uh, um, this morning that he, he spoke to me a couple of times before. I thought, whoa, he can run a business because he was right. You know. and he, but he was broken. He was tender. He, he, were, he, were, he, 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 was, uh, he was very vulnerable of sharing the passion, an amazing passion. You'll hear the Martin Lewis now mentioning Christians Against Poverty on the radio and the TV and saying, if you're not a Christian, still contact them. You'll use that sort of language. Great credibility. But I said to John afterwards, says, John, the great thing about you is you've never got used to being saved. He says, his journey started out of bankruptcy, about broken marriage, two kids in a little place, not enough food to eat, having a bacon cob for his Christmas dinner. He never got used to being saved. And he'd been redeemed. And so these people passing on a generational blessing is because they never got used to being saved and they've been set free, in one translation, with God's mighty hand. What an opportunity to pass on to somebody else. Why are you doing that? Because I've been saved. Because I was a donkey, redeemed by the Lamb. And it's my privilege today to give to the preeminent one a blessing. Not a collection, but an offering. May God continually help us, friends, to deal with our hearts, to pass the test, to put him first, and know the blessed life. Let's pray.